I got all these. Well, here pop- we go. Mitch and Dad, episode thirty-six. I'm Mitch, and with me, as always, is my dad. What's that? Is it thirty-six or thirty-four? Thirty-six. Thirty-six. Last I checked, I that was Monroe's age when she died. Marilyn Monroe, thirty-six, huh? Yeah, and in fact, they just had her. Uh, that was that just happened. Uh, this the first part of this month. Hmm. Okay. I, I was going to say that uh, you know I was going to talk about Lucille Ball at some point because she just would have turned a hundred a few days yeah. ago. Yeah. 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 Well, that's. Uh, yeah, my and and Dad would have turned ninety four on August the second. Wow. Now I've got a couple of topics here. My favorite one has to do with Christopher Columbus, but I have some other ones. If you don't want to do that one, that one's the most exciting. Naturally. <laughs> well, let me run you through this one. This is pretty neat, actually. I think you might even like this eventually. All right. There's a guy named Charles Mann with two N's, M-A-N-N. Heard the name before. You have heard his name. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember I who he is. Out, I found out after doing this research on this article that was in the uh, Wall Street Journal that I actually exchanged emails with this guy probably 10 years ago when I was doing some stuff and I got referred to him through this professor at Princeton and so forth. And I emailed him and he emailed me, emailed me back and then I emailed him and he emailed me back again. So I've had actual contact, not by phone, but by email, with this Charles C. Mann guy. He wrote a book uh, about four years ago called 1491, which was about the Americas before Columbus. Okay. I'm sure you realize 1492 is the famous, okay. Well, now he has just written a new book called 1493, And in this book, the co-title under the 1493 is The New World Columbus Created. Of course, that caught my attention immediately. Naturally. And I've already ordered the book, or Jenny has ordered it for me. And uh, I've been doing some research on it. And in fact, there was a review of it in today's Wall Street Journal. Uh, what what this what this intelligent human being is writing is? Have you heard the term Pangea, Pangea, Pangea? Pangea yeah, when the Earth yeah. is all one, yeah, exactly. Well, what he's saying is is that Christopher Columbus, the results of his voyages to the New World, has actually created another Pangea because the world has become one again. And it's based on, this hypothesis is based on the fact that the trade that we do started with Columbus. The, 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 the bringing of cattle from England and uh, the shipping of tomatoes to Italy and the selling of goods all the way in China, sweet potatoes we shipped to China. They never had anything like a sweet potato before. Uh, trade that came later from the Spaniards that that uh, was in the Pacific, uh, the trading of silver and silk. Uh, 
Now, I did want to uh, briefly, because you mentioned it just now, uh, again, yeah. and you're the only person that ever that I ever heard this from, and apparently now Charles Mann as well, which makes it um, slightly more interesting. Yeah, it it lends validity to my accusation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what, what I was going to say is specifically tomatoes to Italy. Now, yes. I, I recall you telling me that prior to Columbus, there were no tomatoes in Italy. They'd never seen a tomato? No. That is correct. There were no tomatoes anywhere in the in the old world, as we call it. Right. So if but there's no such thing as a tomato back in uh, over there. But classic Italian dishes. I mean, every Italian dish that I can think of, they all have tomatoes. What the heck but did they, they cook before then? After 1492. Yeah. So in 1491, what the heck were the Italians eating? <laughs> well, you got to understand something. Ital- Italy was not Italy in 1491. That, that's true. Uh, it was a group of states from, you know, Germans and French and all kinds of weird stuff, Greeks, that had taken over. The only part of it that was actually Italian was the Rome part, which was where the Pope was. Right. And uh, they didn't eat tomatoes, I can tell you that. But, and that, uh, that's they, that's why the Sicilians get all uppity and and are very specific about where Sicilians because there was no Italy when Sicilians immigrated to the United States. Am I right? It was still like Sicily and Italy, more or less, were two different kind of things. Am I right? They they still are different. I mean, Sicily is a separate island, actually. Right. Not connected. But it them. wasn't like part of the Republic. As no, I no, no, not in not uh, not in. I mean. Italy became Italy in the 19th century. Right. So when I when you people talk about like being Sicilian, there's there's going to be uh, a number of people who are here in the U.S. that left Sicily before it even was part of the Republic of Italy. You mean their families? Yeah, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> not the people themselves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah right. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's what little history I've done research on. I did find <laughs> that out because I remember thinking to myself, uh, why do Sicilians make it very clear that they're Sicilians and not Italians? And I had to look yeah. that up one day, and, and that's what and I discovered. They still do that now. I mean, yeah, Sicilians yeah. are not Italians to Sicilians. I mean, they're, just, they're still going to be Sicilians, although... You know, they're just like Texans are Texans, but I mean, they're right, still Americans, right. you know. Sure, sure. But I but, mean, to some degree, a Sicilian uh, ancestor that lives here in the U.S., who yeah. th- their bloodline runs back to the last person in their family who lived in Sicily, uh, no one technically in their family has ever been Italian, quote unquote. They've always been Sicilian. Yeah, is what I'm, yeah. So I think that's why they. I don't know. It seems a, a silly distinction, but they're very particular about it. So and what's and what's strange is that almost all the Cosa Nostra five families were all Sicilians. Right. Uh, it's just kind of the way it is. Now, Lucky Luciano was not Sicilian. He was Italian. Mm. Lucky Luciano is the way he says it. Anyway, this. This uh, case that this guy is making for Columbus sort of marrying the world together Mm -hmm. uh, is a very strong uh, statement because what I like about it is is it, it lends to my 
feeling and statements that I've made that is probably in the history of our world, discounting any religious figures, in the history of the world, you really are hard-pressed to find anyone whose efforts had a bigger effect on the world than Christopher Columbus. I mean, it's just really difficult to even describe anybody who comes close right. to what to what his voyages to the to the Americas meant to the rest of the world. And this guy's 400-page book that he wrote is evidence of that. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. wait. Well, to I get mean, this. and 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 it's funny because uh, you know I know that Columbus Day is uh, we're we're not but a month away from that. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a proposition I'm going to make about that in a minute. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say because because our one year anniversary of the show comes up in a little over a month as well. Ah, um, we ought though, to do it on October twelfth. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, October twelfth is going to be a Wednesday. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to be a little shy of 52 episodes, but we're going to be... It'll still be yeah. a year. Um, can, and I remember we that we had talked about... Because we started doing this shortly after Columbus Day last year. And I remember we we talked about how when Columbus Day comes around, we need to do like a like a two-hour episode or something like that where yeah. I I compile questions from various friends of mine and what have you that have um, st stereotypes, is that the word I'm looking for? Preconceived notions about Columbus and or misconceived or, or not. Yeah. And I present them to you a it's list being, of... It's called being misinformed is what that's called. But maybe some of them are, maybe some of them aren't. I'm just saying <laughs> the, the notions that people have, the, the notions that people have about Christopher Columbus over... Oh, they miss it. I'm sure there's quite a lot that are misinformed. I'm saying there might be good things, there might be bad things. I'm just overall, I will compile a list of questions from people who say, "Well, I always understood that blank." Well, I, yeah, they can be yeah. good and can be misinformed about the good and the bad is misinformation a lot of times. Yeah. Well, I had I had I suggested to somebody not even two months ago. I said, "Well, my understanding is that uh, there were no tomatoes in Italy." Before Columbus arrived, and they said, "No, that's that's absolutely false." I said, "No, I mean there was no tomatoes in Italy before Columbus arrived." I said, "You could look that up," and they were going, "No, that's that's." And they said, "All the Italian dishes have tomatoes." I said, "I know," but it's still there was none before Columbus got there, and they just argued with me. And I thought, "All right, well, I don't know for sure, just what I heard." Well, so that would be a off nice that argument one. with just what I just said to you that in fourteen hundred. There was no Italy. Right. So that's where you start that argument. <laughs> and then secondly, tomatoes did not exist outside of South America in this case, because that's where they actually came from. Right. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's, you know, that's pretty well documented. He even has a picture on the front page of the Wall Street Journal section that's got the Columbus oh, big ass tomato. Look at that big tomato right in the middle <laughs> to kind of make your point right there. There you go, this is Columbus, and this is this is oranges and tomatoes and stuff like that. So, oh, see now you're going to be ecstatic because not only is the front page New York Times, but you know Columbus Day is coming up, and this, this book Journal. is clearly 
well-timed for that. Uh, yeah. So that means in the next month, there's going to be a whole lot of new Columbus discussions. I just yeah. I know how these things work these days. <laughs> I, yeah. I guarantee you in the next two to three weeks, if not more, I'm going to see all kinds of articles pop up about, like, one side or the other for or against Columbus in the next few weeks. I, I could just well, there, about guarantee it. It will, book, it will open this, a new this, dialogue. This book became available yesterday, so it's right. it's a new it's a new thing. But this guy is very high, highly thought of. I mean, he's a guy who pilots his own airplane to different locations around the world to write these books he writes. Right. And uh He's he's very thorough. I can't I can't I just can't wait to get my hands on the book. But uh, the uh, the the effects of all these things that he carted back and forth, and the people that followed him carted back and forth, you know, it formed the world as we see it now, just like tomatoes in Italy. I mean, that is part of Italian history, a part of Italian, the feeling of Italian is tomato. <laughs> you can't have Italian food without tomatoes. Yeah, so it's just amazing that that one thing is enough to, to me, that one thing covers enough right there. Right, right. <laughs> all right. the tobacco and all the other stuff. Uh, I don't know where I'd be know, without tomatoes, I'll tell you that. He also found in doing this research that Native people, including uh, black people who came over with the conquistadores, bringing them from Africa, when you include them along with the natives that lived in South America and North America, their population dominated the New World for many, many years. I mean, centuries. They outpopulated the Europeans by, you know, thousands to one you know right and uh a lot of the book apparently gets into that part i can't wait to read that as well hmm. but uh i like the way he draws this pangea picture of columbus bringing this bringing you know taking this spread out world and bringing it all into one world again which is what basically is the premise of the book i think and uh Here's what I'm going to propose, and it will be in my letter to the Wall Street Journal, and, of course, the chances of them publishing it are about, you know, a million to one. Hold on real quick. Could you, uh, could you like, maybe pull your mic away just a little bit? Because it was Is sounding it nice. It was, like, muffled for a minute there. Oh, okay. Oh, there we go. Now it sounds great. All right. So okay. Now I, I know what the... Lean, I was probably leaning into the mic. Yeah, no worries. No worries. What I was going to say is... Now I know for future reference. I'm going to propose... A Columbus World Festival, and what we'd be celebrating is just the fact that Columbus is the one who brought us all together. <laughs> Instead of us trying to talk about Columbus being something that, you know, was politically incorrect, let's talk about the fact that his journeys brought the world together was the beginning of the world becoming one as it is today. It took 500 years for it to happen, but that's what happened because of Columbus's efforts of shipping things back and forth and trekking people back and forth. So there really is no event 
other than something like the Olympics or something, where the whole world celebrates a certain day, like Mardi Gras or 4th of July or Thanksgiving or whatever. So I'm proposing that's what the world do. Like a world day. World day, Columbus Festival. Call it a Colombian festival. He uses the term Colombian quite a bit. A Colombian festival, world festival, and it's held all over the world at the same time. That would be pretty cool. How about that? So uh, I'm gonna. I have a feeling. I mean, the 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 obvious answer or the obvious uh, thing that I, in my head that I think the response would be from from people is like, well, why call it Columbus Day? <laughs> Colombian. We'll just call it Columbus. Well, I mean, either way, there's gonna you know, there's just so much. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but there's so much stuff so is much, not happening. So much history or whatever. Have you. Look, See, here, I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. I don't know. Here, I'm just telling you. Let me that, give you. Let me give you a couple of things that just kind of clarify all this stuff all at one time. Okay. There is no written document in Christopher Columbus's own handwriting that says the word "slave" or "slaves" in any language. And he and he could read and write in four languages. Okay. Ten percent of the world in one language. <laughs> he could read and write in four. Now, that's proven because of his writings. Now, that evidence right there. The reason that that's important is there's a lot of things that are supposedly Columbus writings that somebody rewrote. It's admitted they rewrote it. The fame, the most famous one is the diary of Columbus or the log of Columbus that he supposedly wrote while he was making the original trip. Mm-hmm. I have the copy of that. And when you find out the truth of the matter is, there was a priest who supposedly took in the actual log of Columbus, which is pretty much messed up by the time he got it, messed up being that it wasn't complete, the pages were not together, so forth. And he supposedly copied that word for word in a different language, and that's supposedly attributed to Columbus. And inside that diary are the things that people condemn Columbus for. So to me, condemnation based on somebody else rewriting something he wrote doesn't have a lot of validity. I just, I, I don't say that. So if you can, if it's not to be found in his actual writings, then he didn't say it. That's the way I look at it. It's got to be evidence. You know, you can't just throw out, well, he hated the, uh, you know, Indians or whatever it was. Sure. That he sure. was supposed to do. Well, we don't have any evidence of that. So you understand, like it's it. I think that it's it's interesting. I, I've said this before. In my in in the age I grew up in, it seemed like there was a it was in the middle of a rethinking of Columbus. Because when I was a child, and it's clearly I have it all messed up in my head. Because uh, as a child. Columbus and Thanksgiving were one and the same basic holiday, if you will. Yeah. Thanksgiving hold was on, basic. Hold on, okay. hold on, hold on just a minute. Hold on. All right.
Okay, go ahead. I'm listening. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it seemed like they, they basically celebrated Columbus arriving as a, as that was the Thanksgiving. And then right. it was – I mean, like when I'm talking when I was kindergarten, first, second, third grade, that was kind of – it was uh, it was kind of how we, we got it in our heads. And, and that's – they probably were just trying to make it easier on us. And then yeah. – um, then you know well, similar periods of the year you know yeah and i mean you know he found the new world and all this and there's you know british settlers came over afterwards so to some degree there's a relation certainly but uh, you know and then you know for a few years after probably till about middle school uh seventh grade that would be it was uh no they're separate events and um, Columbus sort of found in America, but kind of by accident. By the time I got to high school, he was a bumbling idiot and a slave <laughs> owner. And he didn't do anything for anybody. And he gets a lot of credit because he was stooping the queen. You know? Okay, now, yes, <laughs> let me just show you this. I'm just, that's how twisted the view has gotten just in my lifetime. See this book? A People's History of the United States. I do. See who wrote the book at the top? Can you see his name? No, I can't. Howard? Zinn. Zinn, okay. Nice little Jewish guy. This book was the textbook of the history of America in every public school in the United States for 11 years. This book starts with Christopher Columbus. And in this book, you will read about how Columbus did all the Arawaks in the, in, the, in the Indians and what he did to them and how he massacred them and how he hated them and how he made them slaves, all of which is not true. We have no evidence of it from Columbus's own words. But it became history to all the kids that went to public school for yeah. 11 years. That would probably have included me. And when you read it, I went and bought it just because of this. When you read it, it says 1492 to the present. When you read some of the stuff in here about Columbus, and you figure the school teacher standing up here teaching this as, you know, absolute historical fact, you can see why there's a generation or two of people that have the wrong uh, idea of Christopher Columbus. It's because of that book right there. Mm, that would be why, yeah. I mean, I've heard, them on, I've heard them on talk shows during the time when we celebrated the 500-year anniversary. I remember the talk shows talking about the Howard Zinn history book. You know, well, I'm quoting Howard Zinn, you know. I mean, it's like he was, you know, Moses or somebody. But uh, it's it, it almost made me puke wanna, to read. You want to pull it? Pull. Sorry, yeah. If you pull it like out from your face a bit, it sounds a lot clearer. Oddly enough. Oh, really like that? Yeah, that sounds clearer. Well, that's because I got it under my chin. No. Well. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. that was topic. That was topic number one, right there. All right. All right. For Columbus. I mean, that's one of those ones that, that you know, I, I hope to go into more depth. I really do. But 
I feel like uh, I don't want to waste a, the whole episode that we'll eventually have. We don't need to. We don't need to do that. We, oh, yeah. we just uh, we just want to cover that. Now I want to talk about some positive news. You know, we had fun talking about some of the future technology things. Yeah, I have two more of those. And it's funny we were talking about this, the Irish potatoes and the, the Scots and all these people that came over to the United States. The Scots have discovered a way to turn the North Sea strong wave and currents that are present at all times in the North Sea, right next to Scotland. They're producing their energy for electricity now from the ocean. Yeah. Makes sense. They have these huge, like pontoon tubes. Like I saw a picture of it in the in the uh, Bloomberg News magazine that shoot out into the ocean, and the the waves move the pontoon. And every time it moves, it's shooting uh, the liquid that's inside of it is going through a turbine, and it's turning these turbines to create electricity. Uh, they use a lot of nuclear plants to do that presently. And they have been able to reduce the use of nuclear usage by 42% by wow. using these, this ocean <clears throat> wave thing. They're thinking that's possible that with more advancement of this idea that this might be something that could be used in other places. But I found that pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Somebody was actually doing something like that and, you know, a whole country is being affected. Now, it's not a huge country, but uh, still, it's pretty that's pretty neat. Now, the thing that, I, that's, that you're going to really like if you don't know about this, and you may already know about all this, there's a company... Where did I write this one down? <laughs> Luminate. Have you heard of that? No. L-U-M-I-N-A-T-E is the name of the company. They were originally named something else, and they changed the name to Luminate. What they do is, <laughs> this is unbelievable to me, they have taken trillions is the terminology used here and I'm not making that word up that's part of the article trillions of photos off the web on the media sites on websites they've taken these photos and they have installed them in a software package so that you can take your cursor to a picture of a girl with earrings on click on the earrings and it tells you either like the store she bought them in or who made them or what brand they are or something like that. It's a form of advertising. Okay? Sure, sure. So what the idea is, is that like Macy's is already paying these people all this got awful money and they've been able to produce like hundreds of thousands of photos of products that are sold at Macy's. So, like, you see these shoes on some little girl running in the street. You click on his shoes, and it says Macy's special, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. $8 or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, 
what software is that going to be? That's really fun right there. I mean, I think that's a great idea. And these people are going to make a large fortune from that deal. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, the the big thing. What can you imagine? What I can't imagine is the work to get all those photos in one package. I mean, well, actually, Google does that right now, kind of. They're kind of doing the same thing. What you can do on Google right now, and they're still indexing it, so it's what they call in beta. So it's not. It's not exactly it's accurate it's very accurate but it's unfortunately not very well indexed so you don't always get a lot of results but the results you do get are crazy accurate but you can find a photo on the internet say and copy the the location of that photo and then you go to google and you hit this image button and you paste in the location of the photo it's kind of advanced stuff for you know geeky people like myself yeah, and you hit a button, and it will find everywhere else on the web that's ever posted that photo. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you could find like out like where up. where it originally came from. You could find out who did, who the photographer was, and then it does a thing called similar search, where if it can't find, or even if it can find, in some cases, the image, it'll find similar photos almost just like it. Um. And that's where it gets kind of interesting, but uh, that is that's sort of the future that, that, that people are talking about when it comes to search engines, visual search engines. Google has it. I have it on my phone actually, where I can point my cell phone camera at a given item, and it'll find where I could buy that, or it can find more pictures of that. And the thing that they're talking about, one of the CEOs of Google had talked about, or one of the presidents, whatever had you talked about was that in a very short time, probably in the next three, four years, you could actually take a photo of somebody out in public, hit a button, and they'll find all their social network profiles, find out who they are, all that. So well, let me, that's, that's where let, it gets a little me, weird. Let me uh, come right out of the article. This is the Bloomberg News Magazine right here. Okay. This is right out of the article. One picture's worth a thousand, one picture's worth a thousand pictures. Both of the guys that formed this company are ex-Netscape. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Hold on. Let me see if I can remember their names. Uh, oh, it's killing me. Uh, it's not Tim Berners-Lee. Uh, God, who was it was involved in Netscape? Ah, it's killing me. I can't remember right well, now. Well, they, they, they don't necessarily be the ones that started Netscape. They just worked for Netscape. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. One of them's named Bob Lisburn. Okay. And the other one's named James Everingham. Okay, I don't know those two. Never mind. The company they started originally to do this was called Pixaza. Sort of like pizza. P-I-X-A-Z-Z-A. Yeah, Pixaza. On on July 27th, which is very recently, (laughs) they changed it to Luminate. Hmm. It says they have designed software that scans trillions of photos on the web. They use that data to craft a logarithms that can automatically recognize specific objects and products within the photo. Everything from a brand of sunglasses worn by Lady Gaga to the bike used by this year's Tour de France. Hmm. So that's the kind of stuff it does. But I, I was really, you know, I'm looking at it from a 
investment standpoint, uh, stock and all of that. But, I mean, to me, that's a terrific idea because, I mean, you talk about a revenue enhancer. I mean, you know, oh, anybody yeah, – because yeah. what he's doing is people that have websites become part of the deal. In other words, you, you if you have a website and you've got pictures that some company wants to use to promote their product, they're going to pay this company and you're going to get a piece of the action. You see what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. So uh, it's really a great idea because, uh, I mean, it's just like, it's almost like a natural thing. It's, you know, that's what I like about it. Yeah. That's, I mean, so anyway, that's, that's that the way my, people... That was, my three, that was my three stories. Columbus, the uh, electricity from the ocean, and the luminates. Well, that's, that's I mean, that's thing. sort of how people shop in a sense. It's sort of, you know... You don't just wake up one day and go, I, I need glasses that look like this or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you see them on someone and you go, I, I like those. I need to get me a, I need to get me a pair of those. Or I whatever. mean, you yeah. can just imagine how strong it is. I mean, that's oh, yeah. strong. It really is. Well, it's that, that whole thing is the most powerful form of advertising. Everybody knows this, but it bears repeating. The most powerful form of advertising is direct testimonial from somebody you trust. Referral. Referral, yes. Yes. And so... That's true in every business as well. And every and every advertiser basically is hoping that their commercial comes off like a referral from a trusted source. The idea of spending a million dollars for an ad campaign is to say, look, we have the money for this. You can trust us with your money. We're not going anywhere is basically in a, in a roundabout way. Well, or, you know, the uh, ad agencies did a thing... The Madison Avenue ad agencies last year posted the top 10 most trusted people for use in advertising. Number one was the 81-year-old Arnold Palmer, <laughs> the golfer. Really? Yeah. And he doesn't really do much anymore, but what they're saying is he's the guy that the companies want like he does Rolex, Cadillac, Pennzoil. Those are his three big ones. Hmm. And he will not do anything that he doesn't use himself. You right. know, he's not going to just promote, you know, wheelchairs or something. But uh, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> not yet. But uh, anyway, yeah, he was like the most trusted. Hmm. That was pretty good. But yeah, that, the referral thing is is where. It's I wonder at. if you could. I don't think you could. Un, that'd be a difficult legacy to up, uh, unseat in a sense because these days so many younger um, celebrities it, 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 uh, so quickly jump to a given advertising that it would be very difficult to build up any kind of trust in the public eye before you'd immediately be like, oh, anybody could hire you. Exactly. Well, that is the sense you have with almost all of them, really. Sure, absolutely, yeah. There's a guy that played in Mad. It plays on uh, Mad Men. I don't know if you watch Mad Men. Used to. I mean, I've I've caught probably. Well, this guy two is he, he plays uh, Roger Sterling, the guy that owns the ad agency. He's got gray hair. I don't know if you've ever seen. Yeah, him. yeah, the three piece suit guy. Yeah, yeah. You're not talking well, about the the head head doing, guy, right? He's been doing Lincoln Lincoln MKZ or MKX. Oh yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. And those are probably the best commercials on TV, in my opinion. I mean, he really does a good job of the class nature 
of driving a Lincoln. I mean, he's like, he's inside the cockpit and he's talking with that voice he's got. He's got a very peculiar voice. And, uh, you know, it's nighttime, so all the, the the dashboard's all lit up, you know, with the screen and all the stuff. And he's talking about it, and he says, I think the closing line of the ad is something like, it's not just the innovations we have, but it's how smart we are. <laughs> something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. I, comes across a little different than the way I just said it, but uh, basically that was that's the term he uses. I don't think he uses we. I think he yeah, doesn't maybe, want, yeah. doesn't include himself as as smart, you know. Right, right. But uh, anyway, see, I, I rarely. I mean, the, the only TV I, I mean, pretty much watch, you know, stuff I've recorded, and I watch the History Channel. Are pretty much the only things I ever watch. So I almost huh. don't see commercials or. Anything like that. I need to start doing well, that more the, often. The, the commercials that run during the golf tournaments, the reason I, I, I oftentimes end up watching them is golf tournament commercials are very short. Yeah. When they have a break for a commercial, it's 30 seconds, and they're back to the golf. Huh. So it's, uh, you know, it, it keeps you kind of nailed to the TV when you're watching a golf tournament, if you like watching golf. And you'd think, because... Uh, golf is a slow game that they would have the longest commercial breaks yeah you would but it's just the opposite hmm. the longest commercial breaks are obviously network regular comedy shows and stuff it's you know what are it's like 20 minutes out of every hour or something <laughs> yeah yeah give or take yeah i mean i i can remember i tried to watch some mainstream primetime show recently and it was Intro to the show with the with the you know the show intro whatever you, the opening song if you will yeah commercial break back to the show five minutes commercial break yeah <laughs> and I remember I was just thinking this seems a little uh, upset or excessive and it got to the end of the show last scene commercial break comes back to the credits. Yeah. They came back from a commercial to show you the credits. Yeah. And you're just like, what? Why did you do that? Why did you just waste my time? You what know? is that blue light in your background that's blinking over there? Over your right shoulder. Oh, that's uh, just my wireless uh, router. My, oh. My internet okay. connection, if you will. Yeah. He's got his router. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm in a, it's, it's a different setup right now. I, I not only rearranged how my desk was sitting. But now I'm on my my normal desktop computer instead of my laptop because this is the new computer and it can actually I can use it now. Oh, or just the one slow. you had specially done or something. Yeah, that I that I built myself. Yeah, so it's nice and fast and and I'm comfortable and I, I changed around my desk so it's like. Well, how can it be faster open. than my AT and T wireless service? You're not talking about you're talking about computers versus an internet connection. Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking about my computer, but. Uh, <clears throat> this internet connection is probably faster than that, but I don't know. I don't know what AT and T's internet service is like. But I do know that oh. Time Warner's is a cable connection, uh, and it's really fast. Time Warner claims it's faster than AT T. Oh, well, I wouldn't know. They got the Road Runner, you know. I mean, the the easy. I could send you a, a to a site that'll tell you exactly. If you go to speedtest.net, it's called. 
Oh, I'm not. I'm not interested in that. All right. Well, anyway, if you ever go there, you can hit a button. For my, for my the stuff that I download, it's quick enough. All right. I'm just saying, if you ever carry, it's the way to do it. And you just hit a button, and it'll tell you immediately. It'll it'll download a test file and upload uh-huh. a test file, and it tells you exactly what your speed is relative to your neighbors, to your city. Speed, what is it? I'll write it down. Speedtest.net. Speedtest.net. That's easy. Yeah. And these, it just says, test my connection. You click it, and it'll tell you. It's going to have a bunch of geeky checking. numbers. I'm always checking with the... For domain names, right? I'm always amazed how almost every domain name is taken. I mean, good domain names. You know, you can't. You, some of them surprise me. Like I was thinking of a financial term, which is also used in bookie words, jingle. Okay. I was thinking that jingle is an old word. Nobody's using that with their domain name. That could be a commercial jingle in a song. Or a jingle, jingle for a t show. Oh. Or a jingling change in your pocket. Or well, that's what it is. Jingle, jingle bells or jingle is a is you know it's a it's a, it's a gambling phrase actually. But uh, yeah, jingle uh, you know is the uh, sound of jingle bells. You know. Right. Well, I can remember. It is definitely taken. Jingle.com is over. You know? I can remember back in 19, or no, in 2001 or 2002, there was a report that said all, every single word in the Webster's American English Dictionary is taken. Really? <laughs> it was like, and that was, yeah, nine, ten years ago now. Yeah. Well, you probably had a room full of guys that sat around and, and, no, took them absolutely. All. They absolutely. just went page one through the end of the dictionary. If you got the money, I mean, it's a good, you know, it's a good racket. Uh, I know a yeah. guy. I, I met with a guy yesterday who wants to bring me on to do some web stuff, and uh, I won't say the nature of his business, uh, but he started his business in '96 or '97. Yeah, and uh, he's collected 1,200 domain names. Whoa! Yeah, he said instead of buying advertising, I bought domains. <laughs> it's like, so he gets enough. Uh, whoop! I got a warning thing just then. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's. These are actually all domain names he has for his own business that he hasn't used yet necessarily. But he's always kind of built this. He's got this idea of building this empire, and when he builds out, he always has these domain names to use. Naturally, if somebody comes along and wanted to use one of those domain names, they could certainly buy them from him, I'm sure, but who knows if well, that, they will. That's the idea, isn't it? I mean, isn't that the idea? Yeah, technically speaking. I remember, actually, um, I was really upset. In 1999, informationsuperhighway.com was not taken. I remember looking really? up. It was not taken, and I went to buy it and uh, back then, domain names were a lot more expensive. They were like $65 or something like that. And uh, whoa, I had $62 in my account. And I was like, ooh. And I was like, all right, I'll wait till I'm supposed to get a check from a client tomorrow. After I cash it, I'm going to come back. I'm going to buy informationsuperhighway.com. It was gone the next day. <laughs> I was like, ah. Probably Super. somebody knew I was looking for it and was like, that is a good idea. Why did nobody pick that up? Because you think. Informationsuperhighway.com 
That's you know yeah, when always, would you ever use uh, it? But always looking up things that are like you know like Latin words or that's a good place you know, to go Italian terms and stuff like that. You know, I'm thinking, well, that's not going to be taken, but they, they all take it. They you know, there's a lot of weird ones. There's a lot of you know. I looked up. I was I was reading this article the other day about where some some interesting domain names came from. A lot of them are like foreign languages. Or, oh, this word sort of means this in this language if you change this letter or whatever have you. Yeah. I, I've been pretty lucky with domain names. A lot of the ones that I've wanted are free and clear and easy to get. And uh, and I even got my own URL shortener, as they call them, which is that I can um, take a long address and turn it into a very short one using my name. And uh, See, I noticed sbcglobal.net, which is what my email is. Right. It must have had to go to the .net because somebody had the SBC Global, I guess. No, they use .net, I believe, for their email and other services that they give to consumers. .com is oh, their own right. website. So they oh. don't want to – so like if you get an – you know, like if you work for SBC Global, your name, you know, is Jay Smith at SBCGlobal.com because yeah. you work for SBC Global. But if you're John Smith and you have an SBC Global account, you'd be Jay Smith at SBCGlobal.net. I see. There's a lot of people do that. A lot of companies did that for a while, and I think still do. What kind of clothes is that you're wearing? I was just a just a. It thermal. looks like a sweater. It's like a thermal shirt. It's just. It's 108 of... degrees over here. Not over here, it ain't. I know it's 72 over there. Yep, I was about to say that. Seventy-two. Well, I watch you weather. I, I check the weather at every. And I'm inside. Per- I got AC. I'm I'm fine. It's just comfortable shirt. I like uh, I like a I like long sleeve shirts. It's ten minutes to nine. All right, all right. It's not one hundred and eight at ten minutes to nine, is it? <laughs> well, it's about a hundred and one. I bet you. Uh, I've I've heard you guys at are going crazy. You know the Rangers. The Ranger baseball team plays here in Arlington. And Tuesday night they played a game, and at ten o'clock at night when the game ended, it was a hundred and one. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we are I, in the middle of heat like I've never, ever experienced right now. I and mean, climate climate change is still just a just a hippie theory, huh? Oh, climate change. <laughs> Understand how I am about climate change. <clears throat> climate change that has to do with the atmosphere and the moon and the sun and all that. I buy that. Climate change caused by people? No way. No way, no how. We we don't have enough of an effect on the size of the globe and the atmosphere around us. We're like grains of sand. I mean, there's no way we could do anything that affects the big picture. That's I'm going right. to leave that one alone because we'll yeah, leave that night. one alone. That's 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 that's. That, 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 you could not a, be more wrong, but I'll leave it All right, I'm gone. All right, you go. Good talk. Glad we got your microphone right, thing worked uh, out. Next time, you got to come up with some of the topics. I I, I would have. I, I had the Lucille Ball. I was actually going to talk about. It's interesting. It was interesting to read over uh, not only the history of her show, but kind of a history of American TV in a sense, just reading about her. Uh, but this is a coincidence. You know that, don't you? How's that? Today... As we speak today, I bought Jenny a complete set of the third season of I Love Lucy. Wow. Said, today I bought that. 
That's crazy. Uh, talking about Lucille Ball. Well, it was. It happened the other day. It was on Google's. Uh, if you went to Google's search engine, if you went typed in Google.com the other day, the instead of the Google logo, it was a giant TV, and you could watch Lucy. I love Lucy on Google's homepage. Yeah. It was like they, instead of you know, and they had the search box below. I hope I, hope I never was, get to watching things on TV from a computer or watching things from TV on the TV from the computer. Radio. I hope I don't do that, but I, you know, I know. Well, I was, was going to say what what was fascinating about reading the I Love Lucy stuff was when they talk about share back then versus share today. Yeah, and it was something about uh, the, one of the, the most popular episodes of Lucy. Uh, I Love Lucy had a seventy eight share. Seventy eight percent of every home in well, America. Well, I mean, if you get an eight percent share, it's big now. Yeah, but I mean, just to think. They said the highest yeah. share ever was when when Elvis Presley went on the Ed Sullivan show. It was an 82 share. And just to think <laughs> of the fact that 82% of America tuned in to watch Elvis Presley on Ed Sullivan's show. Well, that's the sort of thing where you can walk into a grocery store the next day and ask every single person there if they saw the performance. And you'd be lucky if you found one who didn't. Well, I remember that vividly because of the hype of it from the week before, you know, when he announced that Elvis was going to be on. And basically, I don't know anybody that didn't watch that. I mean, it was like... you'd be I, I, It has to be five farmers in the middle of Kansas that didn't see it or something because 82 well, share. I mean, come on. There was, an apparent, there was apparently a water problem because during the commercials, all those people got up to take a pee. And in some in some cities there was a low water uh, problem because there was so many flushes at the same moment. That's true. I don't doubt that. That's, That's an just hilarious. Fact. That's hilarious. Wow. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll talk again next week. Enjoy it. Love you. Be careful running around over there. I certainly will. Uh, all right. I'll, I had more topics, but they were all, you know, it's okay. We had we had good topics. Oh, we'll today. go to them next week. Well, yeah, I'm not going to come with any topics. All right. Well, it was mostly personal stuff. But all right. It's Take care, to Dad. You. you got it. It's on your thing. All right. Sounds good, Dad. I'll talk all to right. you next See week. See you later. All right. Love you. Good night. Bye-bye.